Welcome to the Launchpad Jamf Admin Podcast hosted by Rocketman, where we keep you on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of Apple and Jamf administration. Starting with the Launchpad Times, we bring your Apple and Jamf news down to earth and then go into a keynote where we take a deep dive into a relevant topic. All right, we're, we're, we're a couple minutes past, so I'll at least get started with the introduction. Um, my name is Chris Shossi, and we are Rocketman, and we manage Jam for companies. Uh, typically, on these meetups, we do these once a month. Uh, typically, Eric is here introducing us, and he's less socially awkward than me, so that usually works out. However, Eric is now at a Frisbee golfing tournament. Uh, which I like to call a frothing tournament because it makes him mad when I say that. Um, so he is not able to join. I was trying to convince him to FaceTime or join the Zoom call on his phone while he was like throwing the disc, but I don't know. He takes this stuff really seriously. So, <laughs> um, but he is gone for the time being. So I will be doing the small talk and introductions. So um, how is the weather where everyone's at today? How's the weather over there, Hugo? We've had a beautiful week. It was like 75 yesterday, perfectly sunny. I live on a lake, if anybody doesn't know. So we're out swimming and fishing and uh, we're about to get some rain, but it's much needed. So the weather all in all has been just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, just so you know where we're coming from, I'm out of Broomfield, which is a suburb of Denver. We've got Hugo from Bemidji, Minnesota, which I'd call a suburb of Minneapolis, but it's it's way too far north. It's more of a suburb of Canada, yeah, exactly anything. <laughs> uh, we also have Chad Lawson on this call. Uh, Chad just moved to a new house in Milwaukee. Uh, so he's joining us from the new rocket ship area, maker spaceship. Cool. Um, and today we're going to be going over the updates for WWDC 2022. Um, I spent a lot of time the last couple of days binge watching a lot of sessions and pulling out useful tidbits for us as Mac and Apple admins. Um, and before I forget, we are recording. All right, so I'll do, we usually post these on YouTube, so I'll try to consolidate my ranting into something that I can use for a good YouTube introduction. Um, I should say too, while we're going on this presentation, obviously this is a Zoom meeting um, as, can, I can see by everyone not talking, this probably won't be a problem, but during the presentation, if you have any questions, throw them in the comments. We'll have some time for discussion questions at the end of it, um, but I'll just power through the slides that I have right now. Um, obviously, since this was WWDC this week, this presentation is uh, not quite as polished as probably most of our presentations are. Um, had to put most of it together this morning um, since all the presentations were happening during this week. There was a couple of different presentations that I wanted to hit too that I wasn't able to. 
Um, so this won't have all of the WWDC updates, but I digress. Thank you for joining us today. We're gonna to be going over the updates for Mac admins for WWDC 2022. Uh, so the topics we're gonna to talk about as it relates to Mac admins are changes in managed software updates, Apple configurator for the iPhone, Apple business essential improvements, platform SSO, enrollment SSO, and then we have a lot of honorable mentions that we're gonna be going through as well. Things that we're not gonna go through in depth, but I do wanna to touch on, cause they are gonna be important as we get in 2022 and 2023. All right, so the first, and in my opinion, most exciting change that is coming is the changes in managed software updates. Um, and what I mean by this with managed software updates is deploying software updates, specifically macOS updates through an MDM command. So why are we excited about this? Well, it's because we were, we were excited again last year. Um, and as we've been, I'm sure Hugo can attest as he's been doing a lot of this, as we've been trying to implement MDM software updates, uh, we've run into some problems. First of all, uh, we're realizing that, you know, what they added last year was they allowed for deferrals and some other cool things that made it a bit better and um, more of something we can use on a regular basis. However, um, they must be acknowledged by the user. So what we found when we were deploying critical software updates is there was a lot of users that just weren't acknowledging the pop-up that came up that says, hey, you need to Mac update your macOS version. And if they didn't acknowledge that, it didn't go forward. Um, even worse is so we found that sometimes the acknowledgement window wouldn't show up in some monitors. I think the reason for that is because Apple doesn't show any of these updates, any of those notifications, if there's any type of screen sharing happening. So we found this out as we were trying to like create videos of what this process looks like and it would just never come up. But what we found is there's certain monitors um, that kind of act as like that type of display and they don't even show up if you have that external monitor connected at all. Um, and then lastly, once the updates are deployed, the Mac restarts without notifying or prompting the user. It just, it's like you deploy the updates, it installs for 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden randomly it restarts. Not the greatest workflow. Um, so with these updates, they've helped a lot, theoretically, with the first two items. Um, so the first thing is acknowledge while in PowerNap. So um, another thing that we run into a lot is computers were in PowerNap when we deployed the update and it just, the user would never really see it. Um, so now we can, uh, it will respond while it's in PowerNap and it will respond to uh, some of the different updates. So some of the stuff we can do is like allow with deferral or just schedule the OS update, but all three of these commands here will be able to run while the computer's in PowerNap. So I think that will increase the consistency of the adoption of these commands as we're trying to push them through. Another thing which is really exciting is that priority key. So uh, this allows us to force the update without any user interaction or at least from how they described it. So if you put a high priority key 
when you do this schedule OS update command, it's just as if the user went into system preferences and then clicked on update and start update and all that stuff. Um, so this should be able to push it out with higher certainty than we've been able to in the past. Um, this is only available for minor OS updates though, which I don't know, is, is kind of expected with something like this. Um, there's a lot of uh, different um, auditing and logging that happens with these updates as well. Um, I'm just showing you a P list of what's available. This is stuff that I'm sure Jamf and other MDM vendors will, will put into their products. I know for us, when we push it off, we don't really see too much of what's happening along the way. But if you can see in this P list, we get deferrals remaining. That's something we haven't seen before. Download percentage complete. That's really exciting to be able to see an actual progress of what the download looks like. Um, is downloaded is one as well that I will put in there. Um, max number of deferrals, next schedule install, past notifications. Like all of these things are gonna be really good for us to have a better understanding of where a certain computer is along in this process. Um, of course, since these are for MDM commands, we probably won't be able to create smart groups or anything from that, but we'll at least be able to go into the logs and see where the computer is along this process. And then this is super exciting. This was in the keynote if you saw it, um, but the rapid security response for critical updates. So this allows Apple to ship critical macOS updates without prompting the user for a restart. So, I mean, that's, that's always been a huge issue for us. We're like, okay, um, security says we need to patch this tomorrow on all our computers, but we don't wanna restart the users while they're in an important meeting. Now we can push up those updates without having that happen. And from my understanding with this, this actually just pushes out automatically. So we don't really even need to do much on an MDM side. Um, so a couple of things we can do though, we can turn off rapid security response. Um, if for some reason you just don't want that to be able to push out, um, that's something you can disable. Uh, you can also disable users from rolling back to the rapid security response, um, which is another thing I probably wouldn't do. But uh, that's one of the nice things about this too, is if user updates gets updated uh, to the latest Mac OS, and then they decide that you know, it starts causing problems, they can easily roll back to the previous version, which is something that was basically impossible before. So that brings us into the next update, which is Apple Configurator for iPhone. Um, and to answer Gwen, who just put in the chat, is any of this added to Monterey or will it just be available for Ventura? Um, with the macOS stuff that we just talked about, that is all Ventura, as far as I understand. There might be some small things that are in Monterey, but I, I think that's all just available for uh, Ventura. Um, Apple Configurator for iPhone. This is super exciting. Um, so they've actually had Apple Configurator for the iPhone to be able to enroll Mac computers into DEP. Um, but they've just added that functionality for iPhones and iPads as well. Um, and why is this exciting? Well, if you've in the past, if you're an organization that has a bunch of iPads throughout the country and not all of them are in DEP and you absolutely need them in the DEP, um, what I've had to tell people before is either you got to ship it back to one place, connect it to a Mac with a cable, 
and then ship it back out, or you got to ship Max to all your different sites. Both of those options don't sound great. Also, Apple Configurator is not super intuitive to use. Um, on the iPhone, there is no need for a Mac. Most people have an iPhone at a site. All they need to do is download an app, so that shouldn't be a problem. It is very easy to use, as you'll see in this video, and there are no cables required. So let's take a look at what this looks like. So you download the app. Um, it will come to the screen that says add iPad to your organization. You scan it, it adds the iPad, and now it's been added to your Apple Business Manager account. So super exciting addition that was available for macOS and is now available for iOS 16 as well. The next update is going to be for Apple Business Essentials. Now, this is a pretty cool update that they've added to this. Um, they're basically just beefing up Apple Business Manager and making it into a lot more. So what actually is this? So first of all, it's Apple Business Manager, but it's also basic MDM. So when they uh, purchased Fleet Smith last year, I'm guessing they're baking that into the product. It's also identity an identity provider. It's also cloud storage. And from the video that I saw, it looks super easy to use. Now, this is something that's probably really exciting for any small or medium-sized business that doesn't have any type of management yet is, and is all Apple-based. Because it's something where you can use managed Apple IDs, iCloud storage, and have MDM baked in and just get some simple management on your devices. Um, However, there are a lot of limitations to it from, from what I could see just from the demo they were giving. First off, I didn't see any ability to add custom packages. So I'm guessing there's no way to do that. Uh, there's no ability to add scripts either. No ability to add anything like an extension attribute if you wanted to grab extra inventory from a computer. Smart computer groups or smart device groups aren't really available. They do have smart user groups though, but that's a little bit less information than you would get from like a smart computer group. Um, there's really not much advanced inventory management. It is pretty simple. There's no API, there's no integrations. So for enterprise or even larger and medium-sized companies, um, chances are you're not gonna be going into the entire Apple ecosystem for your company. You know, you might wanna use Azure AD, you might want to use Office products, you, want to, you might want to use Google Suite, Google Workspace, and to, to some extent you can integrate Google Workspace and Azure AD into these products, but you can't integrate them from an SSO perspective. It's just in order to create those managed Apple IDs. So it's like you're really limited by those integrations. Um, there's not really much custom setup. It's mostly like out of the box type stuff. You can deploy apps, you can deploy configuration profiles, but that's about it. Um, with this, you can't really do any type of endpoint protection either, besides you know Apple's built-in tools like Gatekeeper. Um, every endpoint protection solution I've seen requires some type of custom packages, package which you can't deploy through um, Apple business essentials. Um, also, one weird thing is it's only available for US-based businesses. I'm sure that'll change in the future, but if you're outside of the US, it sounds like this is not available for you. So although this is an amazing solution 
for small businesses that are just getting started and they're all Apple-based. I don't see this as anything that's really competing much with some of the more powerful solutions like Jamf Pro or even identity provider solutions like Okta. And then for more information on this, watch this video. It's like a 15 minute demonstration of what this looks like and it goes through it in really good detail. Another really cool feature that we're talking about is platform single sign-on. So this um, is an improvement to SSO and the Kerberos extension. And that, if you're not familiar with it, is basically an upgrade to the deprecated, um, what is it, enterprise, uh, why am I blanking on the name? I should really have notes in here. Uh, the Apple, it's basically the thing that's competing with like Jamf Connect and those things, but it uh, was around before really Jamf Connect was around. Um, yeah, Enterprise, Enterprise Connect. Enterprise Connect, I'm like, Enterprise A something. A lot of help from chat. <laughs> uh, there's all the Enterprise Connects. I miss one word and, and everyone's on me. All right, so yeah, improvement on to Enterprise Connect from before. Um, one of the biggest things it's advertising is one sign-in for everything, but one of the small things that they kind of briefly glossed over is that it doesn't seem to do that if you're unlocking it with File Vault. I mean, it does save the password in Keychain, but it's not pulling the File Vault password really into the computer. Um, so you will need to sign in again if the first authentication is with File Vault. Um, and with this whole thing, I was, it sounds very exciting. Um, but more testing is required. And I'm kind of interested to see if this is going to be something that ends up kind of overtaking other products like Jamf Connect, or if Jamf Connect can kind of integrate with this for more new and exciting ways. But they didn't really give any demonstrations or enough details to see how this would actually work. They really just talked about how developers could integrate into this stuff. And similarly, on top of that, there's enrollment single sign-on. Um, so basically, they made this process a lot better uh, for enrolling BYOD devices. But again, I wasn't able to get much information from the presentation because they didn't do any demoing on what this actually looks like. Again, it's talking about having third-party developers really adopt these types of things into their apps so that users can, um, or that enterprises and stuff can take use of that. Um, and that brings up a big question, BYOD for macOS. Um, there was one presentation I was looking at, and I wish I would have taken a screenshot, and I can't find where it is, but it had a little graph of like BYOD, and it had iOS in one column and macOS in one column. And they alluded to this last year, too. They talked, they had a huge presentation about uh, user enrollment, which is BYOD, and they talked about it all for iOS. And then they said that this is available for macOS as well but they didn't give any details. I haven't been able to find anything anywhere about BYOD for macOS. It just seems to be something that's available, but there's no documentation about. So I don't know if we're getting BYOD for macOS in any practical sense this year, um, especially for the enterprise, because I don't know how that would work with like endpoint protection solutions and other things like that. Um, so we'll see. 
if that's coming, I think we're probably going to wait another year before this is something that's practical in the enterprise. Um, and that's kind of the main things that I took away from the WWDC presentations, but I did want to talk about some honorable mentions because there are a lot of other cool features. Um, Wi-Fi is now required for the macOS setup. So in the past, if you had a device that was in DEP, the user, if a user connected to Wi-Fi, it would automatically enroll, but they could choose to not connect it to Wi-Fi during the setup assistant, and it wouldn't get enrolled into your MDM server. Well, now with Ventura, this is no longer a possibility, and they have to connect to Wi-Fi in order to activate the Mac, just like you do have to do with iOS. Uh, install apps during the setup assistant. So now you can uh, set up a feature that basically through the pre-stage, it will install your apps um, for iOS. So the cool part about this is if you know, you're setting up an iPad and you have a bunch of apps that you want to install for the user, you can wait at that setup assistant screen until all those apps are installed. So once the user gets in there, they see an iPad that's actually set up or an iPhone that's set up for them and not sitting there and waiting for all these apps to install one by one. Apple TV remotes will stay pair after the first wipe or after any wipe. Um, so that's gonna be great if you wanted to wipe your conference room, Apple TVs, that Apple remote is gonna stay paired. So if you had that, uh, if you had it connected to ethernet, and had automated enrollment set up. So it would automatically go through the setup assistant. Um, you could send a wipe command and theoretically everything would be paired and ready to go uh, without anyone having to interact with that device. And then a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, Apple Business Net Manager now has Google Workspace integration that goes along with their Azure AD integration already. Um, it also allows you to automatically create managed Apple IDs based on the emails that you have. That's pretty exciting. Um, accessories require user content to connect. Um, I didn't get a ton of details on what that looked like. Um, could be, you know, keyboards and mouses along with everything else. I guess most of that is Bluetooth these days, but it's definitely for like external storage. When you connect, it requires user consent each time. Um, you can turn that off by an MDM command. If you were a school or something like that where you didn't want that user consent, then you could turn that off. Uh, DNS proxy and web content filter for iOS. Um, so this is basically using the per app VPN that was available and making it global. Um, and it's global even for user enrollment. So that really upgrades that feature and allows for more robust proxy and content filter. Uh, managing eSIMs as well, they've added some more functionality to that, including migrating between character carriers, managing multiple carriers, and managing international data and stuff like that. Uh, the profiles command has rate limiting. Um, the profiles command is, I mean, we often use it if we need to renew an MDM profile for any reason. Sometimes we do that because something with an MDM profile is broken and we need to fix it and we don't want to boot into recovery mode to do that. Um, other times it's to enroll it into DEP if 
it had not been enrolled in DEP before. Um, they're limiting like 10 commands per day, otherwise it'll get cached information. Um, not really sure how that'll be relevant, might be relevant more from an MDM side. Uh, pass keys, this was kind of an interesting presentation. Um, so it allows for basically passwordless sign-in to a lot of different apps, which seemed really cool. Um, not really much on the MDM side for that though, that's really just right now on the personal side. Might be coming someday in the future where we get to a spot where things are passwordless through macOS, but not quite there yet. Uh, single app mode improvements. There's another presentation today I haven't been able to see, but they're allowing for more accessibility settings on top of single app mode. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping this will allow us to get out of single app mode in an easier way, um, much like you can with guided access. So the biggest problem I've always had of single app mode is as soon as you lock that device into that app, there's really nothing you can do if it disconnects from Wi-Fi or something like that to get out of that app or do any troubleshooting. So hoping the single app mode improvements will help with that. Um, and lastly, endpoint security. Um, there wasn't much to take away from this presentation. It is a lot of upgrades to how they're doing endpoint security, but that's really for more of the software vendors. What I will say is there's a lot of deprecations and changes. Um, so I'm interested to see if some of the other vendors that are more Windows-based, like CrowdStrike, are going to have issues as they start deprecating some of this stuff, which they probably are using. And if you want more information, um, there's basically one video this year that goes through most of the stuff we went through. That's what's new in managing Apple devices. Uh, be sure to check that out if you want some more information. Uh, and with that, that ends our presentation. Um, so I'm going to go through the host of comments that have been coming in. Um, and I don't know which ones to answer. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to just uh, shout out. Uh, that's a good point, Ian, about the user consent for USB accessories. Yeah, it lasts for three days. But if you had um, like a time machine backup that was connected, I think the idea would be that every three days you'd have to just like approve it again. Again, this can be turned off from the MDM side. So. I want to say thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, any any insights that anyone else has? I know we probably all watched at least one presentation this week. Um, please please add anything else that you might have. Uh, I'll chime in and just say I'm personally really excited about the. Uh, 
uh, the platform SSO, um, we're still bound to Active Directory here and uh, mm. clearly seen the writing on the wall for a while. And um, we're a Jamf shop, obviously. We've been testing Jamf Connect, but um, we're sort of a hybrid uh, environment right now with ADFS and the way that it works with Azure and Active Directory. So we're kind of stuck uh, in AD for right now because Jamf Connect is just too many, too many hops and jumps for users to be able to... Uh, to mm -hmm. not only authenticate with a UPN, but to also get um, Jamf Connect properly uh, prompting users for a shortening that we would use for Kerberos. So it's just a little mm -hmm. bit crazy. So uh, I'm excited about this, um, but I've also been reading that Microsoft has a quote unquote um, SSO plugin for the Mac that's in development or recently released that I just learned about. So I'd like to find out if anybody here has uh, experienced that. And then also, um, I wanted to bring up uh, the subject of um, just getting a just getting feedback from how many people here are still bound to AD and or are trying to work with uh, Jam Connect and seeing if seeing what kind of results you guys are getting. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I also heard that there's uh you know there's been that uh, uh, alert or notification in Jam about um, possible deprecation uh, of AD binding because of uh, security changes that Microsoft's going to implement. And I don't know how I missed this announcement too, but I'm kind of behind the eight ball on this one too. So I'm kind of white knuckled as to what's going to be happening in the next, you know, 30 to 60 days with Max and AD in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Is guessing that- that Microsoft article? Because I haven't seen that. And we are also bound to AD. Yeah, I'll stick it in here. Give me a second. Yeah. Oh, I'm also going to attach a PDF here of just links to all the presentations that I kind of went through in preference to this, and I think would be good ones to to go through. Um, kind of kind of listed in order. Uh, but I have heard that um, yeah, AD binding is getting deprecated at some point. Um, I'm surprised that it's not completely deprecated yet, to be honest. So if that's something you are using, you definitely want to go to something else. Um, I think the biggest problem that I have with, with all of these different types of, um, user account and password management, like Jamf Connect and the, um, now platform single sign-on and, you know, jump cloud agent and anything else that does this stuff. Probably some, I haven't seen this Microsoft one, but probably the same thing with that is um, it really just doesn't work well with File Vault uh, when it comes down to it. And there's not really, in my mind, any, any way to fix that. Let me explain a situation that happens all the time for one of my companies. Um, this is my company owned Mac. Um, I have it in Jamf Connect. It is integrated with Azure AD. And so my password is synced with Azure AD. That works great most of the time I'm logging in. However, let's say I, I shut down this Mac and I go on another computer and I log in and I see that my password is about to expire. So I go ahead and change my password. Now I turn on this Mac and go back to it. Which password do I have to use to log in? Of course, I still have to use that old password. And as simple as that seems, that has caused so many users to have issues logging into their computer. 
sometimes people save their password inside a keychain for um, their, their Azure AD password. So it's like they don't even know what the password is to get into their Mac or what it used to be. Sometimes they just, I don't know, periodically don't use the computer. They might go on vacation and change the password. I don't know. So it, it's one of those things that they think their password's always going to be their Microsoft password, but it's not because of File Vault. Um, But uh, yeah, once this once the beta comes out, I'm really interested to try out this new Kerberos extension and see kind of how it works. Because as they were explaining it, you would log into the login window, and it would be logged in to all your applications um, using your SSO credentials, uh, which would be great if you didn't have to log in again to Azure AD or Okta once logging in through the login window. Um, the only thing about that is it doesn't work with File Vault, so that's most of the time that you log in. You don't really log into the login window much. Uh, any other comments, questions? Oh, people are throwing stuff in the chat now. I'd be interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on the uh, new preference pane reorg, specifically the, the transparency now of availing users to see every single uh, launch agent and launch daemon global and user, uh, user space. Kind of, uh, hopefully we can control that with MDM, but um, I'm excited that you know users can be uh, informed about what's going on um, in their system. I didn't realize that that uh, that pain actually showed low-level system stuff until I started digging into it. That made me a little bit nervous because the words daemon and uh, agent scare people. <laughs> so hopefully users can uh, not see that stuff and not start clicking off things like you know jam. <laughs> yeah. So where is this located? I might not be familiar with this. Uh, there's a couple discussions in Slack in the uh, Ventura uh, channel, but also um, people have been taking uh, screenshots in the community of just their initial betas and what that yeah. uh, looks like. And it's very yeah, interesting. So, I'm sorry, I was going to say, Chris, if you, if you haven't seen the Ventura beta yet, they, they've completely uh, scrapped the classic system preferences and put in a new system settings app to access the preferences, which is more iOS, iPadOS like. So you've got uh, your sections on the left, and then as you click on them, you get uh, the preferences on the right. And there's so there's a new uh, section there for login items, which now just doesn't include the former login items um, that an app might add, but now also includes launch agents and launch daemons. And there's a toggle for it for each one by vendor. You see um, the vendors that have log launch agents or launch daemons, and then there's a simple toggle there and the user can toggle those off and it will deactivate those items. And okay. it does not require admin to toggle off, but it does require admin to toggle back on, which is great. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I didn't realize the beta was already out. I feel stupid. <laughs> but yeah, 
I, I pulled up that screenshot now. And uh, yeah, so this is, uh, that is very troubling. Um, I'm sure, okay, so I mean, via MDM, ah, yeah, I don't know if an MDM will be able to turn this stuff on or force this on or not. Um, that is, that is the, very the hope is that The hope is that we'll be able to, to lock down that preference uh, section yeah. in the same way that we could previously lock down a preference pane. That's true, yeah. Hopefully we can do that because that is right up there. But, you can just yeah, turn people, off the jam station. People are already you know, firing off their, their feedbacks and there's, there's going to be a, a huge amount of uh, user work behind this um, or uh, among our among us admins for some kind of control over this because um, obviously we can all see what the consequences are going to be and as yeah. you'll see there it it groups everything by vendor to some extent so there there's you know, sort of like you don't have granularity of what you're turning on and off but it's fair bet obviously we're looking at beta one We've got four months or so, give or take, before release. It's a fair bet that uh, there'd be some chance for something to happen before it's, it's released to the world. And hopefully there's a way to silence all the pop-ups. Yeah, all of those things have also give notifications uh, requesting that permission. If, uh, yeah. if, there, if, you, if you add something new, it adds a launch agent and a launch daemon. Now there's a system notification that the user gets saying, hey, this thing's trying to add this thing. Is it okay? Oh man. Yeah, I think we're going to get into a spot where we get too many notifications about everything. It's like now I'm just yeah. going to um, spam them on, which is not really the intention. Right. And get the users that are they're either going to be, oh, you know, I ignore these things because they don't mean anything to me, or you get the other users that say, Oh, I'm scared about something that I don't recognize, so I'm going to say no. So, which, yeah. uh, which is funny because if you guys think back quite a few years when the Mac PC uh, commercials came out, Apple made fun of Microsoft for doing this exact thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would presume by looking at this that you would think that um, there would be a level of, you know, a standard user versus an administrative user. So some of these things that they tried to toggle it off, they would at least get prompted for, uh, you know, escalated permissions. I don't yeah. have it installed yet, so I don't know what this looks like in real life. Right, and so one, one thing you'll see that's not here in this interface, um, and it's uh, not quite clear yet, is there's no padlock. So um, you yeah. can't really tell where in any of these things, how to, you know, previously you would have had to unlock to do an admin level preference change. And uh, the, the UI for that is now changing um, along with a few other things. So it may just be a matter of getting used to the initial reaction. A lot of people is the old way worked pretty well. And for something that's on a Mac, which is on a big screen, the sort of graphical access to the preference panes made sense. You don't need a constricted list, which fits better on a phone. So it could just be a matter of familiarity. So, so in my system, like for example, display link doesn't require any notification at all but most of the other ones do require admin to uh, authenticate. Yeah, so the ad log, ad log and items in the top there is similar to the old UI that you had under users and groups where users could set something to open when they logged in. Um, but now instead of just having sort of the user facing um, apps or extensions like uh, like um, 
a helper app or something like Teams Helper or, or something like that. And now, of course, you've got the lower level stuff that's also uh, exposed yeah. uh, in the way that it wasn't before. And that's, that's key. That's the, what Apple is coming back and saying is that's the big thing is we want users to understand what's running, you know, yeah. similar to screen share. Well, I think this is really cool from like a user computer's perspective, just being able to see all the launch daemons running. Um, but yeah, it's a, I, I'm sure the lads something from an MDM side to be able to restrict users from doing this though. But yeah, even the notification for each launch daemon, hopefully you can suppress those as well because that would get really annoying. Yeah, you think similar to a PPPC, you know, slash yeah. TPC kind of approval thing. Speaking of that PPPC, uh, does anybody have any updates on the PPPC utility? Um, I've noticed with Monterey that it's uh, lacking a couple of the features and every time I upload uh, configs, I've got to go in and massage it a little bit. And with Ventura coming out, I can see this as being even more problematic or are we just expected to roll our own going forward? Uh, which features have we been... to... Oh, go ahead, Hugo. So I've noticed that Jamf has been lacking on updating the actual software, but inside uh, Jamf Pro, if you go to configuration profiles and go to the PPPC payload, um, you are able to add things that aren't in the application. And I believe they're focusing on, on the config profiles and I don't know if they're gonna update that app anymore. So we might be left to our own devices because I've even noticed that loading in a PPPC configuration from the app into Jamf Pro, it's been showing discrepancies where I have to actually manually edit it for it to apply correctly. Correct. So that's been the yeah. biggest issue. Yeah, I was just going to launch that quick. So, so is it like all of these things are, it has all the features here. You just have to actually edit the code afterwards once you export it in order to make it work. Yeah, kind of, um, you know, so for example, you might set something to like, for example, Zoom, right? You might say uh, allow non-admins non to, um, you know, uh, change something. And, you know, um, and I, I don't know which one off the top of my head, but uh, when you upload it, everything gets the same setting in Jam, and then you got to go ahead and <clears throat> manually change it back uh, to whatever it was here. So, I mean, this is, yeah, you get that as well. Um, so yeah, let standard user approve, for example, screen recording, great example. Um, and then of course I'm finding on Mac OS that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. And so- Oh I'm yeah, I also noticed that it says Big Sur ca capability, but that's really Big Sur in Monterey. <laughs> Correct, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and you noticed the pop-up was a warning more about incompatibility with Big Sur versus Monterey as well. So it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. And so. you know, like I, I look at it from the perspective of, okay, you know, what kind of changes is, is Ventura going to introduce? And are we going to be able to, to the, to the conversation yeah. talking about, are we going to be able to suppress those pop-ups? Um, you know, and 
it, it, it looks to be an interesting challenge. Well, it looks like this hasn't been updated since August 30th of 2021. So <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Uh, that was before Monterey was even out. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to go into this GitHub page and make the improvements, you know, it's in GitHub. <laughs> Wonder what yeah, that's why I believe they're abandoning the application and focusing more yes. on the building the configs herself, right? Like, well, I mean, sure, but if you go into building the config yourself, it's like that's. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just writing the XML code. <laughs> or then you have to run the commands against the apps or whatever, the binary in the app to get the codes and then paste it in here from terminal. At least that's how I've had to do something. Oh, okay. Sit this, right this might here. be another Mac admin's uh, presentation because <laughs> I'm, I'm already confused. Obviously you've been dealing with this on our end, Hugo, but I didn't even know that this was a problem. Well, I don't see it as a problem, and I don't think anybody else here does because we're that's what we do. <laughs> we we make solutions, but yeah, it's it's yeah. been persistent the past few months. Not exactly a problem, but definitely a struggle. Yeah. And you know, it, it gets it gets compounded like when you're when you're trying to put a, a bunch of apps into cell service for non-admins and you're trying to suppress the pop-ups to make the install go smoothly um you know slack zoom even chrome in some cases and things like ring central whatever anything that has some sort of screen recording or whatnot <clears throat> um you want to be able to you know let the user hit the ground running and not present them with a bunch of prompts that you know, new hire day one, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a Windows user coming to a Mac shop. <laughs> it, it's problematic. So we try to massage that as much as possible, give them an easy entry and, you know, gateway to the Mac ecosystem without scaring them. And it, it you know, when we're managing hundreds of apps uh, across thousands of devices, it, it becomes challenging. Um, so I'm going to bring up Gwen's question, which if I put this in my own words, um, for a drag and drop installer, uh, if we're talking about Firefox, um, we want a way to be able to package it for both Apple Silicon as well as Intel computers. Um, so we don't need to do two different packages. Um, and what I would say is probably not with Composer, but Daniel, I know you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you could use a post install script to install the correct one based on the processor architecture. So are you thinking you deploy both apps and then just move the right one into the right folder and delete the other one? I mean, you could also do the um, the way where you use like download the DMG through a script and then pull it out, depending on which architecture. Yeah. So, I mean, I was we're just starting to uh, deploy the 
uh, Slack application in our environment. And I noticed that there's a universal uh, DMG that you can download so that you have the mm. option to install it on either one is drag and drop. But I feel like when I drag and drop it, it then only installs, like if it's on the M1 that I'm building it, it's gonna install the M1 application. Yeah, and when I package exactly. that, it's gonna package the M1 application. So I didn't know, sorry, I'm in the Dulles airport flight path and uh, got a little plane no flying over. <laughs> sorry, it's, I think when, for in most cases, if it's, a, if, it's on, if it's in the DMG and they only give you the one, that's probably gonna be universal binary. So it will run on either, either architecture natively. It might be in, but it might also be that they're recognizing your computer as you download it and only giving you the one for that architecture type. Well, I'm not sure. That the case, but that, that wouldn't be universal DMG. Right, well, yeah, so there is a universal DMG, but when you, I mean, generally what I would do you know, with Intel is I would open the DMG and then package it with Composer and take that PKG and use that to deploy through Jamf. So I didn't know if there was a, you know, do I just build two packages um, on two different, you know, on one Intel and one Silicon, or is there a way to actually deploy the universal DMG? Because in the past when I've tried to de deploy a DMG, it copied the, you know, installer onto the desktop. <laughs> uh, so... With Chrome specifically, Gwen, they actually have a PKG now that is a universal installer that you can download. Okay. Um, so that that one specifically, like, let me look. Chrome Enterprise. Yeah, I was I was just now sending those links into the chat. Yeah, like this is the new way of downloading Chrome. when you download this it comes in a zip and then inside the zip oh wait that's an msi why is it doing that all right oh yeah i'm in the windows one so yeah this is the mac and then you use the pkg and this this pkg um, should be one that'll work for regardless if it's M1 or Intel. Um, but yeah, for there's still a lot of vendors where you have to package them. Um, I mean, I guess I, we've just been, if we get to a place where we're downloading anything from a vendor that's either Intel or M1 specific, we've just been uploading both of them. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't doing double the work when not necessary, but it sounds like some vendors, it, that's still the way to go. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different ways you can do stuff too. Like, you know, a lot of people use install scripts in order to, ins like basically it'll pull down the DMG um, onto the user's computer and then install it from there. If it's just a .app file, um, you can also use Auto Packager uh, in order to upload those packages. Uh, we also try to turn on automatic updates for any apps where that's available. It's usually setting a certain plist. So there's lots of lots of different methods for uh, deploying updates, packaging updates, 
um, and doing patch management. Yep, install mater is the one of the names of the, those scripts. There's a couple of them out there, but install mater, I think is the most popular one. Stefan just threw in the chat. All right, we're, we're kind of getting close to the end of our time. So I wanna make sure we start wrapping up. Um, but before I do, does anyone have any questions or, or anything else they saw from WWDC or just have seen in the channels of rumors of what might be coming? Is there any questions that you threw in the chat that got overwhelmed by all the other <laughs> things in the chat? Yeah, I was just uh, I was sending links to where you can get like the enterprise downloads of Chrome and Firefox. And then it's actually in one of these meetups, someone was telling me about the, uh, the Zoom download that was a universal install. This is after I was excitedly telling everybody about the script I'd written that would first look at the architecture and install their proper version of Zoom. And someone's like, oh, just just, just use the, 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 the one for Mac admins. I was like, damn it. After all that time, I wrote that thing and tested it, and then someone told me there was an. All you have to do is scroll up on yeah. the page whenever you're downloading Zoom client for meetings. It's like kind of a bitch. I didn't even see that there. It's like they hit it on purpose. Yeah, Wireshark has a universal now too. Oh, awesome! Yeah, Howie, I'm sorry. I was the I, your script was awesome, but I was the one who. Uh, who I, shot know, I know, I know, I know, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. But the thing is that I don't. Honestly, I don't mind writing a script and like spending some time on it, and getting it to work, and then have someone tell me later on I didn't need to do that because it just gave me a little bit more experience in doing that, and I can just add that to my script library. And if I if I remember, I've got to put that functionality into a new script again, then I can always go back to what I wrote before and pull it out of there. So it, it, I'm perfectly fine with it. So I love it when someone tells me something better. So. Besides, it's probably easier to manage the packages than this script. Anyway, it's all good. Uh, Christopher, in response to your question, um, I have we, we haven't actually been using the Mac apps uh, in production yet. Um, I kind of haven't looked at that feature in a little bit. We did a Mac admin presentation about it right when it came out a couple months ago. Um, but the, the feature was just not very built out then. So I haven't seen any like major updates to it yet. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's getting there eventually, but I don't know if I could. Looking to see. Yeah, we can see what this looks like um there is a lot of titles here now well there's a lot of adobe titles i'll just do google chrome something simple yeah it still doesn't allow for the the typical uh type of targeting so you have to create a, a smart group specifically for this deployment. It doesn't do like the target limitations and exclusions. Um, 
It just deploys the latest one though. So that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, we'll have to fool around with this and see how it is, but um, yeah, kind of when they first built it out, it just uh, didn't have as much functionality. Still a little bit limited, but might work. The thing about this that I don't like is it's it's kind it doesn't allow me to add this to my provisioning workflow in any way. So if we're using like Dep Notify or anything, I mean, yeah, you just can't like put it onto a custom trigger or anything else like that. It just deploys. Yeah, that is kind of cool. It has that URL in there. All right. Um, we are about two minutes. So I'm going to do the official wrap up. I do need to make a flight um, as well. So I should probably actually wrap this up on time. Um, but thank you everyone for joining. Again, we are Rocket Man. Um, it's me, Hugo, Chad Lawson, as well as Eric, who's not able to be here today. And we have a new member of our team joining on Monday. His name is Zach. Please come to our next Mac admin meetup. Um, we will probably be having that. We have it once a month. So if this is your first time here, thanks for joining. Um, we will probably have it on uh, Friday the 8th because Friday, July 1st is, you know, weekend of Independence Day. So um, try to get, get some more engagement by doing it on the 8th. But yeah, we'll send some emails out about that. Um, I should also throw in the chat our Slack channel. Uh, we'll be posting this on YouTube as well if you want to refer back to it. There's our Slack channel if you want to join. Times like this is where, where I really miss having Eric around to do random chit chat and, and close out the discussion. <laughs> I, I will not tell him you said that. I will. I will. <laughs> We'll, we'll take that out of the recording. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's times like this I miss Eric. No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, Chris, how about if I end with a joke for you? Perfect. Please. Let's do it. How many ears does Mr. Spock have? Um, I think Chad knows this joke. Um, I'm going to say two because that seems obvious. No, it's actually three. The left ear, the right ear, and the final frontier. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a groaner. <laughs> I, I, volunteer, I volunteer with a children's camp program and every, every meal during those two weeks uh, is Camp Central and where you have kids aged seven to 19 who are, who are allowed to send to come up and tell jokes. And so we get 
I've heard that one from, from multiple times. You know, one of the other ones I hear every single year, at least once a week is the, what do you call a fish with no eyes? You know, it's <laughs> those types of jokes that, yeah, they're absolute groaners. And yet you still find yourself laughing at it, depending on how, how it's presented. So well done. So another quick one, what did the fish tie in on the chance fish reference? What did the fish say when it ran into the cement wall? Damn. Yes. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't know. know that one. I'm bringing that to camp next month. Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't know if the if that'll sneak past the sensors, but we'll see. Yeah, it's fairly <laughs> mild, but <you> yeah. Know. <laughs> I uh, it's I, educational. I went to the uh, one of the one of the second time I was in Vegas. My friends and I went to Hoover Dam. And we're standing, and this is late 90s, so it's shortly after the um, Beavis and Butthead movie came out where they went across. And I hadn't seen the movie, but I'd seen the clip of them talking about being on the damn tour. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm heavily caffeinated. I'm tired. Uh, and I'm just, I'm in that voice, just doing all sorts of damn references. Um, and then when we, when the tour guide showed up, I shut up. And uh, she's taking us on the tour. And part of the tour includes her pointing to a sign about the guy that actually helped create this. And she says, so I guess you can call him the best damn engineer. And everyone in the tour group who had been listening to me tell jokes for half an hour turned and looked at me and smiled. I'm like, sorry, keep me out of this. <laughs> and with that, I have killed the fun. Okay. All right, with that, I am going to officially end this meeting. So hopefully I can make my flight. Safe Thanks travels. again, everyone, for joining. See you in a month. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We have new episodes on the first Friday of every month. If you'd like to join our session live, visit the link in the description to get on our mailing list. And if you're looking to get the most out of your Jamf server, Visit rocketman.tech to set up a meeting with one of our Jamf experts. That's rocketman.tech.